0: May 19th, coming in here real smooth, episode 69 of the HESI, brought to you by basketballgods.net. We have an official award, I believe. Monty Williams is the coach of the year. That was a competitive award this season. There were a lot of, you know, worthy candidates, but I'm good with that. I'm good with that. I think that, uh, yeah, finishing number two. In the entire NBA, right, from where the Suns came, I think that that was the right choice for coach of the year. He's done a great job. I think Monty Williams does a very good balancing act as far as being stern and holding these young players accountable while they still like him, right? That's the trick. Can you hold these players accountable and still maintain respect and some likability? And Monty Williams has a pretty good balancing act going on down here in the desert, so shouts out to Monty. Hornets Pacers it was announced early in the day Karis LeVert was out covid protocol timing was damn near suspect right i thought maybe levar might have might have sent a dirty ass hoe his way or something man because i don't know how you how you going i don't know like it is what it is right so no Karis levert and this is setting up perfectly for the hornets to take care of business right But in reality, what it probably did was give this young Hornets team a false sense of confidence. So the game starts, and this young Hornets team are giving off some real AAU-type vibes. And what I mean by that is, there is this culture in club ball where these dominant teams are so much better than the competition. There's always, in every area, two or three dominant teams that just crush everybody, right? And so it no longer becomes about winning. It's about looking good and looking good while barely breaking a sweat. That's just the unfortunate reality of AAU basketball. And so a lot of these kids spend all these club tournaments. Again, it's not about winning. It's not competitive. It's like, oh, can I, uh, you know, can I hit a sham god on this kid? Can Can I hit a windmill in the half court? And that's the type of time the Hornets were on last night, right? Meanwhile, You've got motherfucking Malcolm Brogdon and Doug McDermott whipping their ass playing like some true Hoosiers. Fundamental basketball. The lack of attention to detail was startling. It really was to start this game. Rozier, I don't know why they had him on McDermott, but he shot the gap on him three times in the first three minutes of this game, four threes. Now, Terry is a very good on-ball defender, but true to his archetype, He's a gambler, not a thinker, right? He's a, a small, super-athletic guard, so he's relying on his athleticism. And you saw him just make a lot of mental errors when, when it comes to guarding their shooters and playing off ball and, and how he was trying to get around screens. And so McDermott had, you know, the quarter of his life. What do he have, 15 in the first five minutes? It was nuts. Saw Mello get caught napping a few times. Again, there was just no urgency from this Hornets team. They were a deer in headlights. And I think... And Borrego needs to own some of this as well, right? He knows how young his guys are. I guess maybe he showed his youth as a coach. Wasn't a whole lot to say about this game. This was a pure blowout. I mean, it couldn't have been any more disappointing for this young team, man. I'd have loved to have been a, a fly on the wall wherever Mike was watching that game. Was Mike there? I don't think he was there, man. He might have been at the racetrack or something, but <laughs> I, I, I guarantee you we would have had a new Jordan meme if if we could have seen his face during this, Right. It's unfortunate because I wanted to see Melo in crunch time in a big game. I wanted to see that. Now, there is a new breakdown of LaMelo Ball over at BasketballGods.net talking about his unique qualities, what makes him special, and what he could possibly be moving forward. So go check that out at BasketballGods.net. But clearly he's the future, right? And so I think the question moving forward for this Hornets team is who do you pair him with? Because – Graham and Rogier are too small to be playing heavy minutes in the playoffs, right? I think you got to move off Graham for a bigger, more off-ball type of guard, right? All three of them kind of want to massage the ball, and it's fun when it's working. But I think last night, and I get it, Styles make fights. Malcolm Brogdon may be the most physical point guard in the NBA, but he was just cutting through them like butter, right? And so to play those two guys in the playoffs where it's more physical, that's a tough ask, man. So do you move off, Graham? Do you bring in a, a bigger guard, a guy that's more comfortable off ball? You know who sprung into my head? What if they just brought in Lonzo? Pair the ball boys together. One ball's good, two balls is perfect, right? No, But a uh, very disappointing end to the season for this Hornets team that had a lot of fun. Hey, maybe it's better long-term, right? Because this was a young team that again, came into this looking like they were feeling themselves, even though they had lost five in a row, you know, maybe this will give them motivation this offseason, or even the organization motivation to be aggressive and not just rest on the potential of what they showed this year. So I guess that could be the silver lining. If you're a Hornets fan, got to give the Pacers some love though, right? I mean, Brogdon tough as nails. I didn't know what capacity he was going to be able to play at. Sabonis obviously had a very rough night shooting the ball, but he still dominated the glass. What do you have, like 20 rebounds? I mean, you felt him out there all night long. Pause. For as much as we hear about these players hating this coach, they came out dialed in and playing hard. So I mean, the proof's in the pudding. I don't know. I don't know. They look pretty locked into me. So maybe he's not the problem. Maybe it's some of these dudes with an attitude problem. I don't know. Hats off to the Pacers just playing solid basketball, showing Showing a sense of urgency, unlike this young Hornets team. Unfortunately, I think for us, the audience, it was over in the first five minutes of the game. But someone tell me why T.J. McConnell's shot looked like it's from before black folk were allowed to play in the league. The shit's downright offensive. I mean, no wonder he plays so hard. If If I had a jumper that looked like that, I'd be trying to compensate for it, too. (laughs) That shit had me upset. I saw him, I know he has the little mid-range, which is kind of different, like a stop pull-up shot, but I saw him shoot an open three. I almost turned the TV off. (laughs) On to the second game, Boston, Washington. I'm glad to hear Marv Albert is retiring, I guess, after the Eastern Conference Finals, because, I mean, at this point, he's calling out names that aren't even in the arena, right? Like, it's getting bad for Marv. They're not even correcting him. It's just like, let him do what he's got to do. So, I was watching Hachimura early before he got in foul trouble. Rui is a budget Carmelo Anthony, is he not, right? He has the same mentality. Bully ball in the mid-range, looks to score every time he touches it. Now, he's a little more athletic than probably a young Melo, but he's a lot less polished. I thought that him getting in foul trouble really hurt Washington because he just brings a level of physicality to the game that that they missed. But he was in foul trouble real quick when he only played 17 minutes. But all eyes are on Bradley Beal and how he's moving with that hamstring. And about midway through the first quarter, there's a throw ahead, a breakaway. And he goes up and he just couldn't help himself. He goes up on the bad hammy and punches it. And as soon as he did it, you saw him reach for the hamstring. And then he kind of tried to play it off, right? And I was like, oh, shit. And then there was a stoppage. And I thought when they came back from the stoppage, to be honest, I thought they were going to say, Bradley Beal has headed to the locker room. Marv was probably going to call him fucking Richard Hamilton or something. But Bradley Beal stayed in the game. And you know what? It might have been the scar tissue popping. Because after that play, it seemed like he had more mobility. And the scar tissue popping is a real thing. It's happened to me. I had a bad calf strain a few summers ago and nagged me for months and one day it popped and I thought, oh shit, I'm done. I'm done, right? But it actually was a good thing. And it was the scar tissue popping or tearing away off the muscle. And I was good after that. So I don't know. I don't know the extent of the injury, but for whatever reason, he, he had that dunk. And maybe it was just a mental thing for him to get over because after that, he reached at it. He kind of looked like, is it all right? Uh, he was just much more mobile the rest of the game. And to be honest, I was impressed with Beale's toughness. I liked it, man. I liked the mentality because everyone wants to act tough. It's good to see someone being tough, right? And so Bill just showing a lot, of, uh, a lot of fight out there, right? The problem was something was clearly wrong with Russ now. He looked like he was stuck in second gear all night. Couldn't change directions once he got into the paint. You saw him with several charges. And then there was a play, I believe it was late in the first half, where the Celtics were pushing it in transition, and you saw Russ go down in the backcourt and then he never came back up into the front court. He just stayed down. And he stayed in the game, but he was moving like Kenny Smith out there, bro, with the with the knees. It looked painful. He's not going to say anything, and he's going to try to tough it out, but clearly he was he was just a a shell of himself last night. Maybe it was just bubble guts. Maybe he'll be good. I don't know, man. But last night, I mean, it just it really hurt their cause because, you know, he's the one that pushes that pace. At one point though, everybody seemed to be dropping like flies. Right, you saw Marcus Smart roll his ankle. And then Robert Williams goes down again. I know Celtic fans are ready to give up on him, right? He just can't stay on the floor. He kind of reminds me of a young Marcus Camby or Anthony Davis. Now, obviously, we're talking about two different levels of talent here, but his athleticism and leaping gets him in trouble in the same way that it did those two in their early years in the league, where he comes flying over from the weak side, and he ends up in these compromising positions, whether that be in the air or when he has to land. And you saw that last night. He, was it Was it Marcus Smart? He comes flying over to try to grab a rebound. He gets clipped in the air. It didn't look good, man. It didn't look good. It looked like we won't see him in this upcoming playoff matchup. I'll say that. And then ultimately, I think what you saw, though, was the Celtics control the pace. Part of that was Russ not being Russ, right? But I got to say, man, I'm real happy for Kemba. I'm happy for Kemba because I think it's been very tough for him to live up to the expectations with that contract and coming into this situation, the Kyrie, everything about it, right? And so for him to have a big, meaningful game, it had to feel good, man. It had to feel good for him. 6 of 14 from 3, 29 points, looking like a very capable Robin to Tatum's Batman. What do they say? Ask and you shall receive. Tatum gave us exactly what we wanted to see, right? He gave him the whole 50. But he did it physically, man. 17 of 17 from the line. That was the key to the game. That's what allowed the Celtics to control the pace. Was Tatum getting into the paint, playing physical, shooting all those free throws. It could never become the track meet that the Wizards wanted it to be. It was interesting, though, because as Tatum is putting up this 50... They were talking about Brad Stevens wanting Tatum to become a better playmaker. And I think we've all talked about that, right? The lack of playmaking from both he and Brown. But I'm not so sure that that's the way they should try to go about it with Jason Tatum. I think you've got to empower his instincts. Or better yet, don't go against them, right? Tell him, hey, go lead the league in scoring. And that mentality and aggression, I think everything else will fall into place. I think that's what Kobe was trying to pull out of him when they were working together. In other words, what I'm saying is let Jason Tatum be KD. Don't try to turn him into LeBron. That's just not his nature, right? And so I don't think that they should necessarily worry about him being a creator and a playmaker. Just tell him, hey, you're a bucket. Go give us 30 every night. Because, you know, he, he's not a selfish player. He'll make the extra pass, but I think when he gets in trouble or when he maybe doesn't take enough shots or he's a little passive, it's because he's caught in that in-between of, should I take over? Should I move the ball? What is this? Take that questioning out for him. Just say, hey, go get a bucket. And I think we'll see more performances like this from Tatum. Now, the score was close, but it felt like the Celtics were in control for most of it. The one time during the game I thought the Wiz might pull it off was when Ish Smith checked in and was looking at Peyton Pritchard like a snack. You see Ish Smith cook Peyton Pritchard? That was on some disrespectful shit. It was about six minutes where Ish was just frying young Peyton Pritchard. I don't know what it was, but he he liked that matchup, man. Um, But other than that, again, even though the score was close— The pace was controlled by Boston, and it just felt like the Wizards could never quite get over the hump and get any type of momentum. And so now we have a very entertaining first-round matchup between the Nets and the Celtics. Competitive? I don't know. Entertaining? I think for sure. Got to give Tristan Thompson T-Top a little bit of love quietly last night. What do you have, 12 and 12 in 30 minutes? I think, believe it or not, he's going to be a key or one of the keys for this series being competitive, because they've got to win the paint. Tristan, if he's going to play minutes, especially with Robert Williams out, he's got to give him double digit rebounds and be that physical presence that they thought he could be this season for them. Because I think it goes without saying, the Celtics have to win the paint to have any chance because we know they're not going to win the perimeter. They're not going to outshoot and outskill the Nets with their offense. They're going to have to muck it up and win the paint and the physicality. Now, the Tatum-KD matchup is going to be fun, man. You wonder if Tatum can actually take a step here in the playoffs and build off this performance, because this is exactly how it should be when you see two players like this matching up. Tatum, at this point, he has the athletic advantage, but KD has the experience. And this is exactly how it should be when the paths cross of two different generational talents. So many times in the past, you'll see where you know, they match up and it's not fair. Either the young guy's not ready at all or the old guy's too old. And so it's not much of a matchup. Right here, I think, is a perfect crossroads where KD's still, KD's still KD, man. But Tatum is enough into his prime where he's got maybe a physical advantage on Durant and can Durant counter that with his experience and skill. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that matchup a lot. Now, I'm sure Jeff Green is going to spend a lot of time on Tatum, but you know KD's going to want to go toe-to-toe at some point. You say what you want about KD and some of his off-the-court Twitter fingers and all that, but on the court, he wants to go toe-to-toe with the best. you got to respect that. And So I expect to see them. I, I just want to see it, man. I, I don't know quite how it's going to play out. You know, a very slim chance they win the series, but if he can outplay Durant in the series, maybe that will allow him again to take this next step. You heard Kenny Smith talk about it last night. There's a lot of undertones to this series. Does the Kyrie Celtics thing come into play? Now, everyone's going to downplay it, right? No one's going to acknowledge it. But do the big three yield to Kyrie because it's his former squad? For instance, they need a bucket late. Harden's been cooking. Kyrie hasn't really been in rhythm. But yet they go to Kyrie because it's like, hey, We want you to take them out. We know this is your former team. Maybe a little bit far-fetched, but I could see it because that's what we're all curious to see, right, is with all three of them on the court, what is the pecking order? And perhaps against Kyrie's former team, they anoint Kyrie number one in the pecking order for this playoff matchup rather than attacking maybe the better matchup. Hell, maybe he is the best matchup though, so we'll see. As far as the Wizards go in this Pacers matchup, look, if Russ can't be Russ against the Pacers, I I think they're done because you saw during this win streak for Washington late in the season, they adapted to Russ's style, that crazy pace, and that's where they've had success. So if he can't do that, you know, it's just going to be tough. It's going to be tough for the Wizards. So I'm just like y'all, I'm waiting to hear what the status is on him. If it's, you know, I will say this about Russ, he has the ability to bounce back like no other. I can't tell you how many times it seems like, oh, shit, he's he's done physically, right? And then the next game, he's back like nothing ever happened. So fingers crossed for that because I just want to see some competitive shit. And again, I'm impressed with Beal. I am. You know, and maybe the mental fortitude and the toughness, the ability to still score and produce kind of on one leg, I mean, that's impressive. Maybe he can be a legit number two on a contender. But that still doesn't change the fact that his young boy gave him 50 last night. That couldn't have felt good, right? Y'all know the the background between he and Tatum? Grew up like across the street from each other. You know, he he was his mentor. So for Tatum to give him 50, I mean, I think Beal is too young to be proud of Tatum. You know, the thing is, after the game, post-game, there was a lot of love, a lot of smiles and hugs between the two. And it just goes to show you that that's today's player and generation, right? The AAU generation, because could you imagine Kobe chopping it up with a young Braun after Braun had dropped 50 on him? I mean, <laughs> you know, so, hey, it is what it is, right? Tonight, obviously, the West play-ins. I gave you my Laker Warriors take yesterday. After thinking about it a little more, this Grizzlies-Spurs game, I'm going to go ahead and pick the Spurs. And I'll tell you why. I think they're just too prepared, right? You give the Spurs time to prepare. There's just too much pride and experience throughout that organization. So I think that they're going to pull out a tight one tonight in the early one and then get your popcorn ready for Steph and LeBron. As always, I'll be back tomorrow to cover what happens tonight. This is the HESI brought to you by BasketballGods.net. I'm out, y'all.